Morning, Critter. This is Bertie. Just to warn you, this is a Trolls Only Zone. We have none of those talk about orcs in this place, I tell you. Hello and welcome to Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. I'm your host, Menion, also known as Rob. Hello, Rob here to Che. Just uh, responding to the first part of the episode I was just re- listening to when you were talking off the cuff and uh, talking about death. And um, I don't know, the philosopher in me, uh, I would suggest to you that, first of all, what it means to be human is very much defined by our mortality, that without death... We are somehow no longer uh, experiencing life in the same way that we would be. Life is bounded uh, by a beginning and an end, and that gives us meaning. And I would suggest that in a game, it depends very much what you want from that game. If you just want to explore power, then whether you live or die isn't important. But if you want to deal with the consequence of action, um, and you want to have a deeper sense of verisimilitude within the fantasy world that you're in, then I would suggest that, in fact, death is something that you need to include. But that's just a random thought. I think death is a tricky one um, because even even back in the day, we did get very tied to our characters, naturally so, you know. <clears throat> and especially the more the character progresses and advances rather, uh, the more you play with that character, the more you do get naturally uh, tied to it. And so it's sad, it's sad to see a character die. But yeah, without that um, threat of death, there is no sort of risk, as you say, there's no sense of, of the actions having any deep meaning. I'm also sort of uh interested in in uh, how Tolkien approaches the subject of mortality in his books now obviously Tolkien uh, this is probably not the best time to talk of Tolkien um but he he has a lot to say about uh, the subject of mortality so i believe he calls it the doom of men or actually the gift of men and obviously here men means humanity so it's in its old sense as opposed to a male the the gift of men was the prize given to mankind by the highest being Iluvatar who is the equivalent of God in our world and the point here is that man or humanity are not bound to creation they are born in the world and they leave it. But when they uh, cease to exist, when they die, they continue to exist outside of creation and they move back to the one, the, the one being. So that's quite an interesting idea. Remembering that um, obviously elves and dwarves in Tolkien are somewhat different from what they are in, in, in D&D, for example, or other role-playing games. Um, the significant part of the elves is that they are immortal but they are tied to the um, creation 
they exist with creation and they die with creation. Okay, they're part of that song, uh, the music. I think it was it the music of Ainur, I forget. Um, but they cease to exist once that song has been sung. However, humanity, just like the um, the Valar and the Mayar, who are the higher is it Valar and Maya, I forget. They're the higher beings anyway, first created by, um, from Iluvatar, part of himself. They're, they're equivalent to the angels or, or lesser gods, if you like. Humanity is on a par with them, in a, in a way. Um, as are the elves, in a sense. They're also the children of Iluvatar, but they're stuck in the creation. They're stuck in the world. Even if they leave Middle-earth, they're still... Um, part of the universe they're part of this this fabric of creation that's getting away uh, from the title of, of the subject of somewhat but um, I just it's a curious one that Tolkien um, discusses death and he brings it up as a gift at first and then it, he this gift is then seen this gift of death is then seen as a curse and it's called the doom of man and so we, it, at a point in Middle-earth's history, it, it, it's lost the, this blessing of being able to leave the earth and going back to live uh, within the, or part, as part of or beside um, the one being, uh, the great being, it is lost and we're no longer able to sort of uh, sense that oneness. And it's, a, it's an interesting idea, very deep. And it's something that I had a lot of trouble understanding as a as a kid when I was reading The Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion. And I guess I would have been 11 or um, 12, at least by the time I was really reading The Silmarillion. I was about 12. Um, see, my dad also passed away when I was 11. So the idea that Tolkien was expressing in his books were very um, complex in a sense but very meaningful to me at, at that young age even at that young age and they still have they still chime with me they still resonate with me there's something very significant about what Tolkien is saying even if you don't accept his um Christian or Catholic um, uh, worldview that he's he's getting across it in in uh, his works, um, but there's certainly something to be had there. Something very very interesting. Some very very interesting ideas. Hello and cheers. Just gearing up for me. For my um, uh, game today, we've got a game at uh, three o'clock and uh, it's a national holiday here. So I thought it was a bit a good opportunity to fit in some gaming. Uh, we'll just do a couple of hours. We want to pick up the uh, adventure where we left off, which was fighting some gnolls and uh, see how that combat goes. And everybody's already aware that it's quite a serious situation and I've warned them that it could go badly for them but uh, 
we'll see. It's certainly a moment of high drama, but the the, the time is set for around two hours only. So uh, I don't know if that says much about my expectations of their performance or not, but more on that later. Hey, Jason here. Just the thought, listen to your last episode talking about where you're thinking about going back to Thaco for your game. Look at Target 20. Um, Chicago is, you know, Michael Shorten Shorten, over in um, Dungeon Master's Handbook talks about it on some of his episodes. I think he talks about his house rule episodes or whatever, but listen to how he's doing AD&D combat and Target 20 is a great way to do it. And, And I'll put a link to it in the Audio Dungeon Discord and tag you in on that so you can read where that came from, the article. Um, but Target 20 is a real simple method that works with these games that, that I think will help you as opposed to looking up charts, and, and it's even simpler than Thacko is. So that, that'd be my recommendation there. And, and to listen to the Dungeon Master Handbook's episodes on AD&D Combat, I think there's, there's a, lot to be, a lot of simplification to, to be found there. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I I did a little bit of um, research into um, the Target 20 ideas presented by uh, Mike. And I I couldn't find your link to his shows, but I should have did a little bit more um, uh, search. I should have tried a bit harder to search for the for the uh, shows that you were you were meaning. I would do or probably follow up on that. But as a as a temporary fix, what I've been doing is um, uh, bringing in Thaco stealthily uh, under the radar, and I've just been using it uh, to speed things up. And I, I the last session um, that I've mentioned in this recording, um, I used that system and um, didn't use the uh, armor modifications for weapons. I just just dumped it and just uh, used that and it did speed things up a bit um, however however during the combat one thing that's really dragged stuff out again was the the way um, in the combat everybody as you know in AD&T you have to say everything you're going to do in the combat right you declare your actions and and what I found, um, particularly in the last um, combat, because there were many combatants um, on both sides, and because there seemed to be a very high um, um, risk involved in the combat, the stakes were high and people were worried that uh, their actions could be their last. <laughs> they They... They were really sort of picking over. The, they were really sort of like, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, but maybe you should do this. Oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. So they're all kind of cross-checking with each other and working out their strategy. Um, and that's drawing out, that was really drawing out the um, um, the combats because even before we get to roll an initiative, they're saying what they're doing. Um, other players still not really understanding the sequence, the combat sequence, which is declare actions, roll initiative, um, and then go uh, through various actions in the course of initiative um, with spells perhaps coming in l- later, uh, depending on the casting times and uh, so on. 
So people still not really getting that. You know, uh, some of the players, I'm asking them what they want to do and they rolled a hip. And I'm like, why are you rolling to hip? I'm, I'm just asking you to tell, you, tell me what you, you intend to do in this. And so, sorry, this is dragging on. Just cut long story, to cut a long story short, um, these little kind of picky things in AD&D um, that are aimed at, were probably aimed at originally sort of getting people... Uh, thinking more strategically and and not second guessing the dm and not second guessing each other really just uh slowing down the game when people aren't all on board when people aren't at the same um playing the same game or playing reading from the same friggin book <clears throat> i'm not sure if i put that very well but um yes um again i'm looking at I'm looking at things like BX and seeing you only declare spells and retreat and everything else is organic in a 10 second period and that's seeming again uh, to me to be something that's much more um, a little bit more flexible you know a little bit more um, intuitive I mean they're both games and they're both artificial so you're never going to get something that's going to work out perfectly but you but uh, maybe you see what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm just very interested in, in trying to sort of have the rules, hard corners on the rules where they're necessary, but trying to smooth the smooth the uh, corners where it doesn't really matter, you know, and where, where you'd rather focus more on, um, sort of having things seem to happen at the right time. And having those choices make makes makes sense and uh, uh, and be timed uh, better with the rules rather than jarring with them with those rules, if that makes sense. Anyway, thanks very much for uh, for that call in, and I will follow up. Well, it seems to have been a bit of a frantic week in role playing games for me, and uh, part of it is. The way in which um, um, the Twitterverse sort of flared up, um, and uh, there was a lot of um, anger, anger uh, aimed at um, the treatment of races. Uh, obviously, not human races, but uh, so-called races. But um, the race in role-playing games. So the treatment of elves, particularly of orcs, as I've alluded to at the beginning of this show. Um, and also um, the uh, political views of Tolkien as as um, assumed assumed or um, by the by readers mod- the modern reader often by people who haven't really read Tolkien um, so particularly deeply and I thought that uh, in a way silence is a, a dangerous thing if you if you yield the if you yield the soapbox or the um the platform to other people and you allow people to dictate um the social or political discourse then you deserve everything you get in a lot of ways and so I thought I'd step up to the uh, platform and uh try to 
try to um, call for reason and nuance within the discussion and I did this because uh, as a as a member well as an older role player who's been around for a while and for somebody who enjoys um, old school games and 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 bo- many books uh, not just fantasy but uh, victorian books um, uh, some of which are may not gel uh, smoothly with the way we look at the world today i do feel that it's necessary to to say that hang on there's not just one way of looking at this and that it, it's necessary to to maintain nuance um to be aware of nuance rather in our discussions and not to um, allow certain um, interpretations to dictate how we view the world now what I mean here is that is that um, there are many ways of interpreting stuff and no matter how many times you rewrite um, a nursery rhyme or a, a f- a folk tale, a fairy tale, or any other piece of work, it's always going to upset somebody somewhere. Um, that's not to say that we should not try to avoid upsetting people. Of course we should. Um, and it's not to say that their views, people's views, aren't important. They are. But I think what it is, what is important is to say that you can't please everybody all the time and remember we're talking about fantasy books and opinions um, of people about uh, how they wish to express the world we're not talking about you know the the um, the um, final solution here uh, we're not talking about accepting uh, certain uh, ideologies um, say for example fascist ideologies certainly not I don't feel there is any need to um, afford such ideas uh, free speech that's personal, my personal take on it however there's a little difference uh, where, when you're talking about uh, for example orcs and if you say okay with, with the orc and we're just assuming Tolkien's orcs here rather than other types of orc. But the orc is Tolkien making a, um, a is he sideswiping the um, unwashed masses? Is he, uh, you know, as uh, Michael Moorcock suggests, is he taking, is he um, taking a shot at the the rising working classes in particularly in. Um, Eastern Europe, okay, in Europe, in East, Eastern Europe. Um, uh, as other people, other people say, no, no, he's taking a shot at um, the so-called, they wouldn't use this word, coloured races, um, pointing out that the orcs are swarthy or, or sometimes black-skinned, usually failing to point out they have black blood as well but and that they have uh, um, slanted eyes 
and it is easy to say, yeah, right, um, clearly talking is taking a shot at the dangers of um, other uh, ethnic groups or racial groups within uh, the British Empire or elsewhere, you know, in the colonies, and the danger that they may raise up, rise up and overthrow the um, ordained, preordained um, and divine order of things, right? And there's a, there are many other re- ways you can look at it. And there's 101 ways of interpreting it in any book. And there, uh, in, there is, this, um, how can I put it? You've got this book, which can be um, read in a certain way. Now, these monsters of Tolkien are now given an anthropomorphic uh, identity, and they are tied to a specific um, social or or ethnic uh, racial group and seen as being an attack on that group. Now, if we accept that as being the correct interpretation interpretation or or an unfortunate but real interpretation of Tolkien's work and then it's also necessary to to see his um, his uh, arguments against racism and his his sadness of or his um, his repentance not repentance sorry um, his uh, feelings of sadness of having put um, such matters into his writing in the first place, uh, of having to add, having added something that could be seen as having a, a real world real, real world uh, analog, something that could be seen as being racist. It's not what he wanted. He was uh, very clearly anti-racist. Um, I did put up the, the letter that uh, Conrad Kinch uh, kindly pointed out uh, previously where uh, Tolkien um, re- responds to uh, German publishers in 1938 when he is asked if he is, has Aryan blood. He very much condemns race racism. He also points out that the um, that the uh, Jewish people are have a very proud uh, history and culture, and that he he feels sorry for not having been part of that group, born within that group. Um, this goes alongside many other statements where Tolkien has uh, said that. Uh, he was born in South Africa, or what is today South Africa, and hated, hated apartheid uh, and the racialization, um, um, racialization of polit- politics, or the politicization of race, or both. He he despised these things. Um, so there's this danger when we look at the old books. Um, that we we read a surface interpretation of the book and then we fear that we will be judged uh, for reading such books and that um, 
in a way, these such books and uh, such ideas are, are no longer relevant because they appear to be uh, non-progressive. And I don't think that's the case. For one, I think progress isn't linear. And that's going to probably upset a lot of people. Uh, progress is something you've got to continue working at. And, and progress is something that happens in, in the real world. And it only happens if we accept the past and if we understand the flow of history. And this flow isn't a simple from A to B going towards the sea of perfect perfection, uh, sorry, perfection of uh, society uh, and towards utopia. Um, not by any means the, the flow has lots of eddies and countercurrents and backflows. Uh, and it can dry up completely if we don't work at it. And that's my progressive politics. Um, it's unfortunate to have to talk about politics in a game world. And this is another thing that I said. I, I was very saddened that we were seeing, uh, even for the best of reasons, the politics uh, of division being uh, drawn into... Uh, the gaming sphere, the hobby sphere, and for those lines to be drawn in the sand um, very often, um, making out people like myself or many other uh, many of you uh, to be some kind of uh, enemy um, when in many cases we actually um, share very similar uh, social or political beliefs and are fighting for the same thing. That's really important to remember, I think. So I, uh, I will continue to uh, ask people to uh, put those things, uh, put their differences on hold and to fight in the real world for real change. You know, um, there it's important, it's very important um, to to move towards or, or to fight now I'll use let's word use the word or struggle let's use the word struggle then to struggle for um, equality to struggle for um, freedom because they aren't guaranteed and once you've once you've got those freedoms they can be um, rolled back and taken away at any point, at any time. So it's a continual struggle. The struggle doesn't end and it doesn't come about by by rewriting history or by by um, trying to self-censor um, our thoughts or our words or uh, the culture that we live in, or the, the history and literature, literary tra traditions that we've, we've, um, we've created and that we've left. You need to maintain the traditions and you need to, to understand that there are many interpretations and to read them from di different um, points of view, to accept the limitations of words, um, to accept the limitation of interpretation even and of opinions um, 
but to maintain firmly the need to strive and struggle for at least the chance of uh, creating a fairer world and treating people as they ought to be treated. All right, I think I'll stop just there because I'm getting a bit preachy. So having got some of that off my chest, um, I've decided to be a bit more um, proactive uh, in the community as much as time allows anyway, and to represent um, represent the community in a more uh, a fairer way, um, particularly the parts of the community, the role-playing community that I'm involved with. Uh, some of these things um, are quite simple uh, to help create a, um, a support network for for creators and other things are a little bit more um, political I guess or, or at least uh, awareness raising. So one thing that I've um, been doing um, is uh, playing with the idea of uh, archiving um, various RPG interviews with makers. Now, as you probably know, um, many people, um, not least of which, um, oh my goodness, um, the Grognar Files, obviously, um, um, uh, Grog Talk, uh, and uh, Roleplay Rescue, and there's many, many more. They've been collecting a lot of very interesting interviews, recorded interviews on podcasts or on YouTube with uh, members of the com- uh, members of the community, the original um, creators of role-playing games, you know, the original people. And some of these individuals have already passed from this world, but others are still with us. But they're getting older. And it occurred to me that it'd be a real pity if we lost um, a lot of this material um, with the other ephemera of uh, of the um, multimedia podcast YouTube uh, world. Um, what I mean here is that everything's important and, and interviews with uh, uh, non-famous individuals, players and so on are fabulous, you know, and very important parts of uh, the gaming history. But also these people such as, I don't know, Tim Cask, who was the, what, the first employee, employee I believe, with TSR. Um, the, these kind of individuals are still alive and with us, and, and they're sharing their uh, views on how role-playing started back in the day. Now, there's, uh, there's all sorts. It's not just TSR. Um, we've got um, Steve Jackson of GURPS and everybody else now, uh, recorded and on record. Um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll start. I'll start um, writing up a list of uh, URLs for these various um, for these various interviews, collecting them together. Um, perhaps uh, put them on a blog. And and uh, have them in one place so that they can be easily uh, referenced, because without that reference, they're kind of going to get. There's going to be a tendency for them to be lost. Uh, I think I used, I stole the quote from Blade Runner, "Lost in time, uh, like tears in the rain," and I've probably screwed that up. But 
yeah, we're all getting older, and um, there's um, there's something to be said about the correct, not even correct. That sounds like uh, the 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 recording of of various histories, and from different perspectives and viewpoints, so that people have that record and can see um, the various, very sometimes very different opinions held instead of just painting it in one way and saying well people were just like this everybody was was white and male and and played role-playing games and they were sexist back in the day no it was it was much more complicated than that there, there were a lot of women involved in the games there were a lot of people um who perhaps not in the in the creation side uh in the early 70s and 80s but uh, later certainly uh, from different uh minority groups um or or who were not uh, in america but in some other country or from some other uh you know where where the minor they weren't a minority but a majority for example um the first uh, players in, in the philippines or the the first um game designers in japan it'd be interesting it's interesting and important to to keep these records right um another point so i've mentioned this uh the blog tying it all together right and and this sort of linking up with the um game developers uh from non um from outside of the uh anglosphere and from the, where where the majority of people perhaps uh, are um caucasian um i was i want to look at um oriental adventures because it is getting a lot of bad press and i think it's undeserved right and i have reasons for that so please if you if you disagree and you think it's um a terrible um disrespectful and um racist uh book please wait for me to to gather the information that i on this so I'm going to try and track down the original playtesters of um, Japanese playtesters of Oriental Adventures and try to see what their views are of it. Also, um, other, um, not, not European or American Asians, but other Asians um, who don't live in those countries, who haven't been raised in those countries, and to see how they feel about. Um, oriental adventures in particular and role playing games uh, even uh, Eurocentric role playing games how do they see those, how do they view them and getting their opinions on this so anyway um, back to uh, oriental adventures Um, OA had these playtesters Japanese playtesters who help provide feedback on the setting and the structure of the game and it's to them that we owe the very strong sort of japanocentric flavor of the original oriental adventures book but yeah see what do they say you know what do they think um just off the cuff um the players i the japanese players and the uh, asian players that i play with in japan um i say asian here uh as a so non-japanese asian some of them um they they their views are very different from what we're seeing in the recent sort of spate of attacks against 
uh, old school, not just old school games, but uh, role playing games. So I want to see, I want to gather some of their comments, see if I can talk to them, uh, see if the hype what's the what's the hypothesis oh, sorry so let's assume that uh, role, the oriental adventures and role playing games are um uh racist um right we can test that hypothesis by gathering um different views now we can't we can't we can't discard the hypothesis completely because that's not the point of of gathering evidence right but but we can also there's also the the hypothesis that they are not uh, my um, hypothesis, um, perhaps you're supposed to select it as a null hypothesis. It's a long time since, since I studied uh, such things. But anyway, um, my, my hypothesis is that Oriental Adventures opened a new world on, on role-playing games. It, it said you don't have to do, you don't have to play Eurocentric um, fantasy medieval games. You can choose... Um, you can choose to set it in in an Asian setting, and um, by extension, any setting, um, and that's a really um, it's. I mean, it's always you've always had this liberate, liberatory. Um, God, I can't speak. Liberating um, uh, potential within role playing, right? Role playing games right from the beginning. Um, but he, here's a point in. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is history where they're saying this is how you might do it and they're writing down a bunch of rules of spells and everything else and suddenly um, yeah you can have the uh, western barbarian uh, coming into that uh, that uh, fantasy uh, eastern setting but you don't have to and you can you can take on these characters um, and you can adventure within that world and see what it means to use calligraphy to overcome a challenge in a game. You know? And hopefully that example is very simple, unembellished example, gives, gives, uh, gives you a sense of what I'm striving at here, what I'm trying to say, that, that, it wasn't simple, simply a case of, um, dis- in my opinion, a case of uh, the game being very disrespectful um, towards uh, and exploitative of of another another's culture. I don't think that was the case at all, and that's um, whether I'm right or wrong. I think I'll start to gather some some information about this which means trying to get contact with the original playtesters uh, also maybe asking questions of uh, of the Japanese uh, uh, community and uh, uh, non-Japanese Asian community that I that I, oh, that I came with so lots of um, nasty subjects um, but at least they've given me a bit of impetus to 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 rally around the game and not double down but to re-explore and hopefully to to uh, open up the the conversation to a little bit more uh, complexity and nuance that I feel is really missing and it needs uh, 
So your thoughts on that, people? What do you think? Am I? Am, is it best to just, just to ignore it, um, ignore Twitter, ignore um, the comments, or, or is it necessary to say, no, I'm not going to abandon Oriental Adventures or AD and D and leave it to the real racists and the real Nazis. I'm going to say no. Um, I'm I'm a progressive, and I'm not. Uh, disillusioned and I have my reasons and this is why I stand here and I I protect this little corner um, and I'm not willing for people to paint everything with a certain black brush this is the red side this is the white using the colors of Japan this is the red side this is the white which side are you going to be on you know that's an artificial distinction and it doesn't help the real world in overcoming real um, discrimination and that's what we need to fight for that's where the energy needs to go we're not we shouldn't be fighting proxy battles uh, and and creating false divisions that's my my red line um, that's my my stance am i wrong am i right it, Perhaps it's just a matter of opinion, but um, what do you think? Is there anything in my my ideas that that could be of use? Um, is there some direction that you think I should explore? Um, give me your views on this. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Bye.